Turn with me, please, to two openings in the Scripture, Romans 8 and Proverbs 3. How many were not with us last night? Well, we covered a lot of ground already. We won't cover all that again. We'll review just a little bit. But we've been talking about last night and tonight continuing being spirit-led. Spirit-led. And there's a whole lot to learn about this. This is not the thing, kind of thing you learn all about in a day or two or a month or two or a year or two. But it should be something that's high on your list of things you want to learn about and develop in. In Romans, the um, 8th chapter and the 14th verse, Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Sons of God can be, should be, led by the Spirit of God. Led how? Now, don't let this be old hat to you that you say, yeah, I know that verse. I've, I've heard that verse many times. No, there are so many other things trying to lead you in life. And it takes discipline of heart and mind to be led always and only by the Spirit. Do you believe that? And so how many believe sons of God, that's male sons and female sons, sons of God can be, should be led by the Spirit of God? Are you saying, I'm going to be Spirit-led? That's my choice. I'm going to be led by the Spirit. In the 15th verse, he differs between the Spirit we've received and the Spirit of the world. He said, we've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. And this is some insight into one of the biggest things that will try to lead you instead of the spirit of God. And it's packaged in all kinds of subtle, deceptive ways. When we say fear, you've got to understand you're talking about a broad spectrum of things. When people hear fear... A lot of times they think panic. That's one level of fear. But did you know another level of fear is slight dread? Slight dread is just a lesser level. You increase the fear, increase the fear, then it becomes more than slight dread. It becomes strong dread. Then it becomes fear and panic, and it just can get stronger and stronger if you yield to the wrong thing. But fear is the enemy's means of misleading us. He's always trying to coerce us and lead us off track, lead us away from the plan of God, away from the will of God, and again and again. People are making decisions, they're making choices, they're making changes in their life that take them off the path. And they did it because of fear. They were afraid this was going to happen, they were afraid this wasn't going to happen, but you got to make up your mind, fear is not going to lead me. Hmm? Why don't you say it out loud? Fear... Fear is not going to lead me. 
I will not be led by dread. <laughs> I will not be led by fear. I'm not going to make decisions based on that. I'm spirit led. In the morning, at the noontime, when the sun goes down, I make my decisions, make my choices, make my changes from one source, the leading of the Spirit within. He goes on to say in verse 16, he talks about how the Spirit leads us. He said the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now the Spirit of God could speak to you in what would seem to be an audible voice. But that's not how he usually communicates with you. Think about this. If you and I are spirit beings, we've since our birth down here on earth, we've been confined to this physical body. But spirit is not confined to that. The spirit of God is not a dove. He was manifested in a form and a shape as a dove. The Spirit of God is not just fire. He was manifested in fire and in wind. So that stretches our head a little bit. We're thinking, well, how can, how can you be a person and be manifested as wind, as fire, as a dove? Well, we just had limitations imposed on us being in this physical body. We're about to break out. Soon and very soon, we're about to break out. Did you know you and I soon and very soon? I mean, it's just a few ticks of the clock. It's just a few breaths away. You and I are going to have a body that is identical to Jesus' resurrected body. I mean, he came through walls. Is that right? The limitations, the restrictions, and he ate food with this body. That made a lot of people happy right there. They thought, all right, all right. He ate natural food from down here on earth. In this, what did that uh, resurrected body do with it? Well, it's amazing how it all works. I, I don't know. I wouldn't try to tell you that I did, but I know I'm looking forward to it. Are you excited about it a little bit? Glory to God. You know, you might not like this, but you'll like it when it's over with. Put your hand on this right here. You see this right here? This is a permanent part of the body of Christ. You might say, no, Brother Keith, no, I'm getting rid of this whole thing, and I'm getting me a new one. Mm -mm. It will be this body glorified. This body has been bought and paid for and is a permanent part of the body of Christ. This one right here. There's a man sitting at the right hand of majesty on high right now with a flesh and bone body. You can feel it. You can touch it just like this. Don't make me happy. I wanted to get, hey, after the glory of God goes through it, You'll be happy with it. I'm telling you, you will be very, very happy with it. Everything's going to be fixed. There's not going to be any problems. 
But it's going to be this body. Glorified. Hallelujah. Somebody say thank you Lord. But in this temple. The spirit of God. Indwells in our spirit. And he communicates with us. Spirit to spirit. That can enlighten our mind. But it's not just him talking to our mind. It's him. Read the verse again. What's happening? The spirit of God's doing what? Bearing witness. That's a knowing. What I was starting to say. If my spirit was in the same temple as your spirit and mind. I wouldn't have to talk to you. Hmm? My mind is in your mind. My spirit's in your spirit. They can occupy the same space. Is the Spirit of God in you or not? Well, I wouldn't have to talk to you. I wouldn't have to verbalize. I could think something and you could pick it up. And so the Spirit of God doesn't have to verbalize to us. He's inside us. And he can communicate something to our spirit and we just know it. Not know how you know it, but you know it. And that knowing, that enlightenment then can illuminate your mind. Now your brain is not your mind. You see people talk about, you know, they they hold a a brain or show a picture of a brain and go, isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? All the inventions and advancements of mankind have come out of these few pounds of gray matter. No, they didn't. No. No, no. The brain is merely the physical organ that the mind functions through. And if your brain were removed, you'd still have your mind. You just couldn't express it in this natural realm. And when you die and you slip out of your body, that's you come out mind and all. You still have your mind. People say, will we know one another in heaven? Well, if you knew them down here, you would. It's your mind. You're not going to turn into an angel. That'd be a demotion. No, no. And there is absolutely no reason to fear dying. Absolutely no reason. You know what happens? You know what happens? I mean in the blink of an eye. You step out of your body. You come right out of it. A lot of times people say they were above their body, looking down. You come out of it, just like that. And I think the next thing you go is, whoo, I feel good. Because you are, we have never been in a completely curse-free, sin-free environment. We don't know what that's like. But glory to God, we're going to find out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you're going to be you, and you're going to be able to express it better than you ever have. And so don't take one hard, fearful thought about dying, because to depart, you know, from the body is to be present with the Lord. Is that right? And it's far better than being here. And don't talk about losing your loved ones. That are saved and born again. Don't say, I lost mama. No, she's not lost. We know right where she's at. 
How many believe heaven is just as real as Minneapolis or Los Angeles or New York? Just much nicer. Is that right? It's a real, real place. Glory to God. And you're going to uh, find out about it soon and very soon. So you didn't lose them. You didn't lose them. You'll see them again soon. And when you see them, you're going to be amazed how good they look. Especially like your parents and your grandparents. You never saw them when they were that young and vibrant. And you're going to see them. You're going to go, Mama, you look amazing. She's going to say, have you looked in the mirror lately? It's going to be so wonderful. So wonderful. And you're going to want to tell them about the things that you did down here on the earth in accomplishing the Lord's will. And his plan. And they're going to want to know about it. Now all the natural stuff you're not necessarily going to care about. But they're going to want to know. What you did in the church. And what you did in advancing the kingdom. And and the gospel. They're going to want to know. You'll be excited to tell them. And then they're going to help get you up to speed. On what's going on there. Hallelujah. And show you some things. And introduce you to some people. That you've always wanted to meet. Like Abraham. King David. Moses. Huh? But now, you know, don't, don't get too homesick right tonight. We've got a job to do. We, we, it'll be through so quickly. Uh, we got a job to do. And don't leave early. I said don't leave early. If you get attacked with some sickness or some problem, don't just lay down and quit. Fight it. Fight it. And live and run your whole course. Hmm? With long life, he said, I'll satisfy you. Why? Because there's a lot of work that needs to be done down here. And if you leave halfway in the middle of this thing, uh, we may show up at your mansion later. When we get there and go, hey, what's the deal? Leaving your work for us to do too. (laughs) Uh, We'll be done soon enough as it is. So stay, overcome every obstacle and test and trial and challenge and do. But before you leave here, it's none of the devil's business when we go and how we go. We're not his. He has no lordship over me. Hmm? I rejected him as my Lord a long time ago. Jesus is my Lord and the devil has nothing in me. He has nothing over me. He has no say-so. I'm going to go when me and Jesus gets good and ready for me to go. Come on, is that right? A lot of people say, oh, that's big talk, preacher. You you know, you, when your number's up, that's when you... No, no, that's wrong thinking. Didn't Paul say, I'm a straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ but it's more needful for me to stay here with you. I don't know which one I'm going to choose. Did he say that or not? Well, should we have corrected him and go, Paul, it's not up to you. You'll go when your number's up. (laughs) He must not have known that. More importantly, the Holy Spirit speaking through him didn't know that. He knew, and the Spirit of God's revealing to us, we have a choice in the matter. We have a choice in the matter. We can leave early. We can leave wrong. 
Or we can be overcomers. We can be good soldiers. Oh, it's not all easy down here. This is where the fighting's at. This is where the curse is at. That's why you got to have all your armor on. And you got to endure hardness as a good soldier. Put on your breastplate of righteousness. Gird up your loins with truth. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Helmet of salvation. Shield of faith. Sword of the spirit. Well, it'd be bad to be all dressed up and nothing to fight. <laughs> nothing to deal with. So, so there's plenty of stuff down here to overcome. We got to be strong. We got to make up our mind. I'm here for just a short amount of time longer. I've got to find out what I'm supposed to be doing, where I'm supposed to be, and I got to do it. Because soon and very soon I'm out of here. And I'm not letting the enemy take me out early. I'm, come on, somebody said, I'm going to run my race. I'm going to finish my course. I'm going to run my race. I'm going to finish my course. You know, uh, Paul was out there in that uh, hurricane, in that ship. And the Bible said all hope that they should be saved was gone. I mean, they threw out the equipment that you need to operate the ship. They threw it overboard. That's how desperate it was. And uh, the angel appeared to Paul and said, fear not. That's what he always says, isn't he? Don't be afraid. You must be brought before Caesar. And God has given you all them that are sailing with you. They didn't know it, but they should be real happy that that preacher was on that boat. And he now has the confidence to come up on that pitching deck and tell them, you need to eat something. Be a good cheer. <laughs> Throwing up over the side. Good cheer. Cheer up, man. Cheer up. I've heard from the Lord. None of us are going to die. We're all going to make it out. Why? Because he knows. And even when he got to the island and he brings the wood and the viper jumps out and bites him on the hand, he knows I can't die in this ocean. I have a destiny. I got to go preach to Caesar. I've already heard from God. I can't die from a snake bite on this island. Come on, y'all, listen to me. I can't die from this. I got a destiny. I'm not through. I'm not done. So I'm not leaving till I get done. The devil can't make me. The devil can't take me. He ain't that big. He ain't that bad. My granddad and my great-granddad on my mom's side were shot and killed when they were 21 years of age. I was the next man on that side of the family, and my grandmother <coughs> used to tell me, they showed me pictures of my great-granddad, or my granddad, rather, in the casket, and say I look just like him. <laughs> and they died by exactly the same circumstances at different times of, you know, in history. And... Uh, so that kept coming up to me as I got to be a teenager. Isn't that strange? Isn't that odd? And I didn't realize it, but the enemy was setting me up. He tries to get fear in you. And uh, I won't go into all the details, but thank God I got a hold of the Word. By the time I was 16 and 17, I was beginning to get some faith and some Word. And so I quit listening to that fear stuff. And I began to cast it down. And do you know I was involved in some trucking stuff? When I was 21, 
And I went to meet a guy that had a truck and a load in a certain place. And I found out later, I went and knocked on the cab. He had the big sleeper, you know, and it was just sitting there parked. And I knocked and I knocked and I called and knocked and, and nothing. And come to find out later, the guy was drugged out of his head with pills and thought I was somebody trying to hurt him and was on the other side of the door with a 44 Magnum with the hammer back pointed to me. And you know, I think the devil had that set up. I probably would have died right then at 21 years of age. And when people say, well, isn't that strange? Isn't that strange? No, it's the devil's set up. But I didn't. God kept me. God spared me. Hallelujah. So I could wave my arms and preach at you. And he spared your life many times. But then when I got into ministry, the enemy kept trying to push that on me. And thoughts had come to me. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take you out. You're not going to live long. You're going to die young. See, apparently he'd got that in my granddad and in my great-granddad, and he's trying to get it in me. Now, you'll notice this is kind of a side thought, but see, when a person dies in a family, whatever spirit that influenced them, the easiest thing for them to do is to find a younger person still alive in that family that's the most like that person because they will be the easiest for this wrong spirit to manipulate. Can you see that? And one of the biggest things is to get fear in them that the same thing that happened to mama, daddy, auntie, uncle, come on, are y'all listening? It's going to happen to you. And the devil is a persistent cuss. He will work on you for 30 years, 40 years to just keep trying to feed that fear in you. And you might just cast it down at first and not listen to it, but he'll bring it back. He'll bring it back. Here's the only thing you need to know. If it comes a thousand times, you slam it down a thousand times. Come on, are you listening? You never receive it. You never receive it. Well, the enemy was still trying to work with me on that. You're going to die young. You're going to do it. Die young. I'm going to take you out. But I was getting a lot of word in me by that time. Oh, thank God for the Holy Spirit. And that thought came to me one day. And I thought... Why does that thought keep coming to me? I wasn't as clear on spiritual things yet. And, uh, you know, we need to distinguish. Not all thoughts are from God. And not all thoughts originate with us. They didn't come from God or from us. Years ago, I heard a guy say this. And, man, it ble- I laughed. It blessed me so much. It stuck with me ever since. He said he was visiting in a city. And they took him at this huge, huge skyscraper. And the guy took him out on this little balcony, and he looked down. Man, he's so many floors up. He's so high up. The cars and the people look like little toys. And this thought just came to him from out of the blue. Why don't you just jump? Why don't you just jump? And immediately he said, you jump. I'm not. You jump. I'm not. I thought, yes. Yes. So many people don't realize you'll have Christians that'll grip the rail. And go, what am I doing thinking a thought like that? And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. Because then he'll come and say, well, you must be suicidal. No, I'm not suicidal. Well, then why are you thinking about jumping? I wasn't. Well, yes, you were. No, yeah, no. Yeah. I got a spirit of suicide. You got two. And if you yield to the fear, 
it'll begin to come into you. It'll begin to overpower your thinking. Come on, are you with me? Yeah. If you just have enough awareness to go, no, I'm not stupid. You jump. Yeah. I'm not doing that. Not now, not tomorrow, not ever. You acknowledge this is coming to me from outside. This is the enemy. This is not me. This is not God. So anyway, that thought kept coming to me. I hadn't realized that yet. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take you out. And the Spirit of God spoke within me. He said, why don't you ask him why he hasn't already done it? And man, something came over me. I got sassy. Anybody know what I mean by that? I got sassy. I thought, yeah, yeah, bad boy. Why haven't you already taken me out? You sure had plenty of opportunities. Because, man, as a kid, I was reckless. I went to the emergency room at least once every summer. I've got scars all over me. I mean, I I dove into pools that were full of boulders. I I wrecked motorcycles. I wrecked trucks. The devil had many opportunities to take me out. I gave him way too many opportunities. And so I'm saying, why? Yeah, bad boy. And I realized, I realized why the Spirit of God told me that. And the same thing is true with you. Do you know why the devil hasn't already taken you out? Come on. Do you know why? Do you know why? He couldn't. He has done his best. He's done everything he knows how to do to take you out. And you have been kept by God's holy angels and by his Holy Spirit. You have been kept. Now I begin to realize the devil ain't as bad as he blows himself up to be. He is a stripped, brought to naught, eternally defeated folk. And the only way he can really get something going in your life is to convince you of it and persuade you of fear and get you to act on fear and get over on his territory. And somebody say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Not going to do that. I'm going to run my race. With God's help, I'm going to finish my course. I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do in this life before I leave. Come on, somebody needs to say it. I'm going to run my race. I'm going to finish my course. I'm going to win every battle. I'm going to overcome every trial. With God's help, I will finish my course. Glory to God. So be it. So be it. So be it. Nothing can take me out early because nothing's bigger than God. He can keep me. He can help me. And by his grace, we're going to finish. Go to Proverbs 3, if you would, please. Proverbs 3, 5 says what? Trust in the Lord with what part of you being? Same part of you being the Spirit of God leads you through. You're led internally through your heart, through your spirit, and you trust with the same part of you being, with your heart, with your spirit. And what does he contrast 
from your heart and lean not to what? So we see in Romans an alternate uh, form of being led is being led by the spirit of this world, the spirit of fear. You can be led by fear instead of being led by the spirit of God. And we see here the same, a similar type thing. You can trust in your understanding. And you can lean to it and you can make your decisions based on that instead of your heart. And here's something we need to know. You can never have enough knowledge in this life and world to make a perfect decision based on knowledge. You just cannot. There's always a lot you don't know. You can call yourself the best researcher on the planet. But how about this? You can have all the facts. You can have all the information available out there. And nowadays in the info age, there's a lot of it out there. You can have all of it and you can have sifted through it. And you can have analyzed it. And you can have categorized it. Still, do you know what's going to happen the next hour? Something can happen in the next hour. Change all of that. Is that right? You never know enough in this life to make perfect decisions based on understanding and knowledge. And if you make your decisions based on understanding and knowledge, you're going to miss it repeatedly. But there's someone inside you. I said there's someone inside you who really does know everything about everything and he knows the future, doesn't he? And he will lead you in line with what he knows. And if you follow his leading, you'll get it right again and again and again and again and again. We're talking about being spirit-led instead of head-led. Have you ever been head-led? Let me help you out. Yes, yes, and way too much. Yes. You, not your brother, not your sister, you have been led entirely too much by your little noggin. The Lord helped me with something years ago. I was endeavoring to make some big decisions in the ministry. And I don't want to mess it up. I want to get it right. So I thought about it, and 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 I thought about it. This went on for weeks, and I thought about months, actually, and I thought about it, and I thought about it, and one day I remember I was in the spare bedroom in our house by myself, quiet, and I was just sitting there thinking about it again, (laughs) thinking about the pros, thinking about the cons, thinking about... What if this? What if that? How this is going to affect this? How it's going to affect And I'd get to a certain point, and I just didn't know where to go from there. I didn't know where to. And this is what the Lord showed me. It was like somebody going through a file cabinet that was full of, you know, file folders with documents inside. I know you have them on your computer nowadays, a lot of, but you know, physical file cabinet. And uh, I saw myself going through the files. Going through, I go from the front to the back and the back to the front. 
And the front, then I'd pull them out, and I'd lay them down, and I'd go through them. And I'd put those back, pull the others out, and I did it again, and again, and again, and again, and again, like hundreds of times. What might you surmise at some point? That what you're looking for ain't in there. It's not in there. It's not in there. And the whole lot of stuff you're looking for, it ain't in there. It's not in there. It's not in there. That's why you can't find it up there, because it's not in there. And as I'm going through it again, the Spirit of God spoke to me. I don't mean it was an audible voice, but boy, it was strong inside me. He said just this phrase, don't think, pray. I thought, now that's an idea. (laughs) That doesn't mean you never think, but I had thought this thing too much. I need to quit thinking about it and pray. And oh, aren't you thankful that you can pray beyond your understanding that God has brought us in to being able to pray in the Spirit, pray in other tongues beyond our limited understanding. And I said, Lord, help me. Forgive me. I know better than that. I know that. I know that. And I'm going to do it right now. Help me, Spirit of God. And I started praying in the Spirit and praying in the Spirit and praying in the Spirit and praying in the Spirit. And in just about 30 minutes to an hour, I begin to feel so much better about this whole thing. And I don't know one thing more in my head yet, but my heart says, we got it. We getting it. We getting it. We getting it. We getting it. And your head's going, what are we getting? Well, you say, shut up. You'll find out later. It happens first in your heart. In your heart. All the big things happen in your heart. Not your head. Your head finds out about it later. Say it out loud. Read the verse with me, please. Trust in the Lord. What? With all your heart. And don't do what? Lean not. That doesn't mean you don't use your understanding. You do use your understanding. You do find out what you can find out. God gave you a mind. You're supposed to use it. You're supposed to think. There's times he'll have you look at things and go into situations to find out knowledge and understanding about it. But when it's time to make the decision, you don't make it based on what you found out. Come on, are y'all listening or not? You don't make it based on the list you made of pros and cons or the stats or the numbers. You make it based on what you get in here. And that can be way different from what your head is saying. But that's what you should make your decision based on, what you get in your heart, not what you formulate in your head. What is it going to say? In all your ways. How many of you ways? How many want to be led by the Spirit? It's not all up to Him. He told us certain things to do that give Him access to lead us. This is one of them. What's our job? Acknowledge Him in every situation. Every time it comes up for you to make a decision, every time something comes up you have to deal with, what should be the first thing you begin doing? Not just look into people, not just look into the situation, not just look into the symptoms, not just look into the need. 
You should immediately begin checking inside and acknowledge him and say, Lord, I'm going to make a decision based on what you give me in my heart. No matter what anybody else says or what this looks like or feels like, I'm acknowledging you. I'm acknowledging. See, there's humility here. There's submission here. You have to come to him and say, I'm admitting I don't know enough to make the right decision on this. I'm admitting I need your guidance and I'm asking for it and I'm acknowledging it. And then you believe you receive. And what did he say he would do? He shall. You believe you can count on him to do what he said he would do? He shall direct your path. And if he's directing your path, you're going to wind up at the right place. In the right situation. Thank you, Lord. Go with me, please, to the book of Luke. The 10th chapter. In Luke chapter 10, I want us to notice something that's, that gets in the way of being spirit-led frequently. Don't assume you know, you've seen how the enemy works in this. He's a master of distraction. And I'm believing with you, I want you to join me, I'm believing with you for the Lord to pull back the cover and show us how he's been tricking people and misleading them and why people have been making decisions on things other than being spirit-led and then having the resulting problems. We have here in Luke 10 the story of the, um, the meal at Martha's house. And uh, I want us to read it And then see what happened here. Luke 10, down towards the end of the chapter here, verse 38. It came to pass as they went that Jesus entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Now, uh, if you look at other scriptures, John 11, 5, you don't have to go there, but it says Jesus loved Martha. Martha was dear to Jesus. I believe Martha was and is. She's in heaven. We'll get to meet her sometime. A good woman. And yet in this passage, she gets corrected. How many know good people can make mistakes? People with good hearts and good intentions can get off on a wrong track and make mistakes. And so the Bible said that they're at Mar- this is Martha's house. That begins to tell you some things right there. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard the word. Mary's had a, um, how can we say it, questionable life. If you look at John's account, it says she was the one that uh, cried on Jesus' feet. And wiped his feet with her hair. And the man at the house said. If he knew what kind of woman this was. You know. He would have. uh, If he was a prophet. He would have known. So Mary sounds different from Martha. They sound like different people. With different backgrounds. Even though they're sisters. How many would acknowledge. Sisters can be very different. And brothers. They can be very different. 
But she is sitting at Jesus' feet and hearing his word. But Martha, are you with me? Verse 40. What was Martha doing? At her house? She was cumbered about much serving. She was busy. And if you read the rest of the passage here, you can see she's getting irritated. And she's getting irritated with her sister, especially. And maybe she's not voicing it exactly, but she's getting irritated with Jesus too. You can see it. Why? Because of all this work that has to be done that they have left me alone to do. Have you ever got frustrated about something? Have you ever got irritated about something? Let me give you a phrase the Lord gave me years ago. Frustration isn't faith. Frustration isn't faith. If you're in frustration, you're not in faith about it at that moment. Because we which have believed do enter into rest, peace. So she's all flustered. And so she comes to him. And I guess if Mary and others are sitting there listening to Jesus speak, I guess Martha interrupts what he's saying and doing. Because she is so convinced that Jesus is going to agree with her. She's so convinced that, well, of course, it's obvious. Now, that's what I've been wanting to get to tonight. It's obvious what needs to be done. The chicken needs to be plucked. (laughs) And the tomatoes need to be sliced. And the gravy needs to be made. And the biscuits. And this is not the day where you pop it in the microwave. Or even turn on the electric eye. You got to get the wood. You don't get things done just in a couple of minutes. This is old school cooking. (laughs) And you can't just turn the faucet on in the kitchen. You got to go out to the well. Draw up the bucket. Tote it back to the house. And so she's in there running back and forth, running back and forth. And the more she does this, the more irritated she gets. No telling how many times she's been to the door. She goes to the door, and they're sitting in there. Jesus is talking. Mary's sitting there like a little angel, looking up. And Martha's going, psst, psst, Mary, Mary, Mary. in here and help me get get in here but then she's got to go check on the potatoes and she's got to go check on this got to go check on that she feels like she's spinning plates by herself and boy the longer this goes the more irritated she gets because it's obvious it's obvious what needs to be done we got company at the house Everybody's going to be hungry in a little bit. This food's not just going to spring on the table by itself. (laughs) Somebody say it's obvious. It's obvious obvious what needs to be done. 
If you're led by obvious, you're not being led by the Spirit. There's another term for being led by obvious. It's called walking by sight. What does obvious mean? Clearly seen. Hmm? Plainly viewed. Right? It's so plain. It's so obvious. There's no need to check with the Holy Spirit about a leading here. It's so obvious what needs to happen here. There's no need to ask the Lord. I got a brain. Tell me what our text said. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. What did our text say? Verse 6. In all. In all. Your ways. Does that include when it seems obvious to you? What these are? Especially those. Even when you think you know what needs to happen. We must discipline ourselves to not assume but ask. Pride assumes. Pride presumes. Humility asks. Asks. It was obvious what needed to happen. So she assumes. Jesus knows it's obvious. We got a meal to cook. We got guests in the house. Dinner's coming up. And so she gets more and more irritated until she breaks in, interrupts, and no doubt with irritation in her voice, she says, Lord, don't you care? See, she's not just upset with Mary. She's upset with the master. Don't you care? Friend, the enemy has been way too successful with this throughout the body of Christ. People get things in their mind of how obvious it is what needs to happen and what these people should do with me and how these people should help me. Come on, are you listening? And then when it doesn't happen, they get mad, they get hurt, and even though they might not admit it, they're not just upset with the people that didn't help them, they're upset with the Lord. And that's really being dumb. It is. And it's being haughty and proud, acting like you know better than anybody else what's supposed to happen. Don't you care? Friend, don't let that come out of your mouth. Never say it to the Lord. And don't say it to people that have proved their love to you over and over and over again for years. Hmm? Don't you care? You need to get that off your mind and work on proving to them that you care. Them loving you is not your job. Not your responsibility. You remember when the storm came up on the sea. And they went back and woke Jesus up. And the same thing they said to him. Don't you care? Don't you care we're going to perish out here? Don't you care? Friend, don't let those words come out of your mouth to the Lord ever. And don't let those words come out of your mouth to people that have been your friends and have loved you 
and been your family and proved to you that they've loved you over and over and over again throughout the years, do not let those words come out of your mouth. It's insulting. It's being unthankful for all that they have done. Treating them and acting like they hadn't done anything. And it's being led by fear. And if you're being led by fear, I know it's harsh, but you're being led by the devil. Because he is the God of this world and he is the one who manipulates through fear. Did the Holy Spirit lead Martha to get out of the kitchen and come in here and interrupt Jesus and give them a piece of her mind? Was the Holy Spirit in any of this? Well, then who is Martha following? Who's leading her? To get irritated, to get upset, to accuse people of not... Come on, who's she accusing of not caring? Who is she accusing of not caring? Jesus. And he's so kind. She said, Lord, don't you care that my sister should have been down south? She said, that lazy heifer. That lazy heifer has left me alone to do all the work. Bid her, tell her to get up and come help me. Who's she telling what to do? (laughs) She's telling Jesus what to tell and what to do. Because somewhere neither. Now you got to remember, they do not see Jesus as the head of the church. They do not see him as the resurrected Christ. That hasn't happened yet. They see him as a prophet. Maybe they're entertaining ideas of him being the Messiah, but they see him as a man. So she gets to a point, worked up, she just comes in there, interrupts him, talks over him, talks him down. I guess he just has to hush and say, let her talk. And in front of everybody in there, she accuses him of not caring. And in front of everybody, she tells him what he needs to do right now. Jesus, you need to tell Mary to get up off her lazy behind and get in here and help me right now. And then she pauses and waits for him to do it. Now let's go back to where we started. I believe... Martha is a good woman. I do. The Bible said Jesus loved her. There's some good qualities here about being a hard worker and about caring and wanting things to be right and wanting things to be done. But let me give you a phrase the Lord gave me years ago. It is more important to be led than to be diligent. It is more important to be led by the Spirit than it is to be thorough. I'm going to say it again. It's more important to be led than it is to be diligent, to be a hard worker. It's more important to be led than it is to be thorough, that is, to be a finisher. It's more important to be led than it is to be a finisher. There's a whole lot of people. We live in an age that feeds this. 
I come from the South. We grew up on a farm. We had cotton fields. We had corn fields. We had bean fields. And one of the things you have to lock it, we did not have mechanized harvesting equipment. We had kin folks. <laughs> and in the summertime, in the harvest time, me and my brother come in from school, and other boys is going fishing and this and that, and, and they say, come on, let's go. And I, we'd have to say, I can't. Why? Corn's ready to get in. And especially as a boy, 10-year-old boy, 12-year-old boy, and you know they're all splashing over there in the pond, in the lake, fishing and playing. And that road just seems to go on forever. And then when you get through with that one, there's a hundred more <laughs> right to the right of it. <laughs> and in order to get through it, you can't, you're not going to get it done today. You're not going to get it done tomorrow. You're not going to get it done this week. You just have to lock in and just make up your mind. I'm getting to the end of this row. And you just almost get mechanical. And you're getting to the end of the row. If you're going to get done, and then you turn around, and here's that other row. And you just make up your mind. You just, I'm getting to the end of the row. And there's some good qualities about that. Because a lot of people have grown up and never had to finish anything. And they're just lazy. And the first time it's inconvenient and uncomfortable, they just quit. And they, they don't know how to finish things. And yet there's a danger in this too. You can get a finish the row mentality. And that govern you stronger than being led by the Spirit. And in our technology age, if you've got 295 emails, people can get the finish the row mentality. I have to open all these emails and I have to answer them because they're there. And it's obvious. <laughs> They're here. I got to, I got to, I got to, do you now? It's quiet in this place. <laughs> Say it out loud. It's more important, it's more important. To, be to be led than to be diligent. Than to be diligent. It's, more important it's more important to be led, to be led. than to be thorough. Before you put your head down and I'm going to finish this, you need to find out if you're even supposed to be doing it. Huh? Before you just commit yourself to finish it, you need to hear from him. Should you even be doing this? And even if it is something you know you should be doing, there is a time and a place and away, come on, are y'all listening yes. to me? Yes. You may not need to be doing it now. Yes. Friend, we need to make some changes. People are getting very carnal and mental because of their technology. If the text dings, it doesn't make a difference what they're doing. They're like a dog trained with a bell. <laughs> when they hear that ding, have to see what it is and they don't realize that they are being continually interrupted 
their thoughts, their train of thoughts, their vein of thinking and heart, and they don't realize is that dinging, that email, that text, that phone is interrupting the Holy Spirit multiple times a day. And they will just basically say, hush, Holy Spirit, i got to see what this text is. (laughs) And if there's a hundred emails, then it's finished the road mentality. Have to open them. Have to open. And if the Lord told them to quit and go to sleep, they wouldn't do it. Come on, are you listening? If he told them to leave that alone and quit doing that, they won't listen. Because they're trained to an automatic response. I'm telling you, like Fido with a bell. Some way or another, humanity made it for thousands of years without that. Do you realize that? Some way or another. Huh? Quit saying things like my life is in this iPad or in my phone. That's not a good thing. And it's not a good joke. It's not funny because it can be too true. And what that would mean is you're not very spiritual. You're led by a phone. You're led by a ding-ding. How many understand that is not the same as being led by the Spirit? Come on, somebody needs to say it. I am not led through life by a ding-ding. I do not have to drop everything and run and see that somebody just heard about a sale over at Target. <laughs> How many understand that the quality and content of so much of this is just foolishness? Yeah. It's just a complete waste of your time. And now listen, every morning when you wake up, when you and I wake up, we have a limited amount of spiritual and mental energy And when it's spent, it's spent. And you need to recharge and renew and refuel. And the enemy is the master of distraction. He wants you to use it up on nothing junk so that when you need it and you need patience and you need focus and concentration for your kids or for your spouse, come on, are you listening? Or for God, at the end of the day, you got none. Your patience is gone. You can't even focus and pay attention because your eyes are bloodshot and bleary from looking up 900,000 Google searches and answering 300 emails. Come on, are you listening? And how much of it was worth anything? And how much of it had anything? Now, I'm not saying that you can't use it, but we need to make some changes, friends. We need to make some real changes and make up our mind. This device is not leading my life. It doesn't tell me when to get up and when to get down, where to go and what to do. This thing's not going to lead me. And get rid of a finish the row mentality. Just because it's in front of you doesn't mean you have to do it. Well, it's obvious that's the same as walking by sight. It's a wonderful, free way of living when you realize 
I don't have to answer every question. Even if they really, really want an answer. I don't have to. And I don't have to do everything at a prescribed time that somebody for no reason required. Instead of me working, working, working on a solution, I need to back up and ask the Lord if I should even be dealing with this thing today. The Lord showed me this one day. This was 30 years ago. I was learning about praying and being led. Still am. And uh, a friend of mine had a problem with his car. And he called me early in the morning and said, uh, I need you to come help me. And I was going to pray and get quiet a little while with the Lord. And so I started to jump up and run. And the Lord said, you should ask me first. I said, okay, Lord. What about it? God needs help. You're not supposed to help each other. He said, I want you to sit down and be quiet and pray for a while. I thought, Lord, the guy asked me. He said, sit down and be quiet. I thought, okay. So I sat down. 15 minutes passed. 20 minutes passed. Somebody else called. They had a problem. They needed me to come right away. Different situation. I thought, well, I got to go now, Lord. He said, you better ask me. I said, okay, so I'm asking. He said, sit. (laughs) Pray. Be quiet a while. Didn't the psalmist say, be still? In in this noisy world, do you need to get still sometimes? Something else came up. A third thing came up. I hadn't responded to the first one. An hour and a half has passed. Boy, that's hard on your flesh. I said, that's hard on your flesh. It's hard on your flesh. And uh, so I thought, well, Lord, I, don't I need to go? He said, you just stay right here. You pray and get quiet. Two hours, three hours passed. Then the first call said, look, there's no need to come. It's taken care of. I said, okay. <laughs> A few minutes later, the other person contacted, said, that worked out. It wasn't what we thought it was. None issue. I said, great. So I said, I only got this one other thing. About 30 minutes, I heard through another person, that's not going to be applicable for another several months. Don't even think about it right now. It's changed. And I realized, I didn't need to move. I didn't need to. While I was waiting on him, he took care of all of it. Come on, can you see this? Reckon what if I'd have been chasing that? Instead of listening to him, then what would I have been led by? I would have been led by rattled calls, people upset. I'm led by their being upset. I'm led by their fear. I'm led by their desperation. Do you have to be strong? Not to be moved by all the stuff going around us. Come on, somebody say it again. I refuse to be. Led by fear. Mine or others. others. I refuse refuse. to be led by desperation. desperation. Needs. I will be be. led by the Spirit of God. God. How does a good woman like Martha get so messed up in her thinking that she comes in and accuses the master of not caring And then is so brazen as to tell him what he needs to do. 
Because you're listening to the wrong voice. What voice, what influences were on Martha's shoulder that day in the kitchen? Come on, can you listen? What was going on with her? Something was pushing her. Can you see this? Martha, good woman, but something's pushing her. Why isn't she in here? Why isn't Mary in here? Why isn't Mary? There's no way you're going to get all this done by yourself. Look at the time. We're running out of time. And everybody's going to be hungry. What are you doing? You know Jesus is perceptive. You know he's spiritual. Why does he tell her to come in here and help me? He knows what's going on. Why doesn't he do something? Who is doing this to Martha? Come on, are you listening? It is a messenger from the enemy. Pushing her. And see, the enemy's subtle. He doesn't come in a red suit with a pitchfork and horns. He transforms himself into an angel of light. And it's all so reasonable. And it's all so obvious. He even quotes scriptures. Is that right? And he's telling her, this is just not right. This is just not right. Them leave you in here by yourself. It's not right. What's wrong with her? And what's wrong with Jesus? Who is the accuser of the brethren? Come on, help me out. Satan. But Martha didn't identify who was pushing her in the kitchen. And so she yields to it until she becomes all worked up. And then what does she do? She goes in there and makes accusations. Where'd she get those accusations? From the accuser of the brethren himself. Accuses Jesus of not caring. Accuses her sister of being negligent. Accusing Jesus of not, I guess, of not being perceptive. Now, a lot of folks might sit up and go, Oh, I'd never. You probably have. (laughs) Did you know Jesus said, Inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, you did it to me? And if you receive the one I send, you receive me. If you don't receive the one I send, you don't receive me. Jesus answered her. And he said, Martha, Martha. Now, anytime the Lord calls your name twice like that, just start kneeling down. Just go ahead and just start kneeling down. And just start repenting. You don't need to hear anything else. If he goes, Keith, Keith, you should you don't have to know the rest, you go, I'm sorry. I know I must have messed up. Martha, Martha, you are full of care and troubled about many things. What's leading Martha? What's pushing her? What's driving her? The obvious need for the meal. All the stuff that's got to be done is pushing her. You're careful and troubled about many things. And he didn't tell Mary to get up and go help her. And he didn't apologize for not caring more. Because it's Martha is the one that's messed up. He said one thing. Come on, somebody hold up a finger. Hold up a finger. Help me out. We're quoting Jesus now. At any given time, at any given day, In any given situation, there is one thing, thing, not two, 
Not three, not a half a dozen. There's, because you can only do one thing at a time. I got to work on this. Because I just heard somebody say, hmm, I am an amazing multitasker. I can do several things at once. No, you can't. You just think you can. I'm a pilot. Piloting a fast jet in bad weather in a high traffic situation, single pilot, is about as close to multitasking as you might come because you got all these gauges to keep up with and you got the radio to keep up with and you got to fly the plane, keep it right side up. And But I have found, I don't care what you're doing, you cannot do two things at one time. Not really. What you're doing is going back and forth between them real quickly. And when you leave this, you don't know what you missed over here. You hope it's okay <laughs> for a few seconds or a millisecond while you check this out. So no, you're wrong. If you think you can do multiple things at one time, the truth is you're missing things you don't even know you're missing. People around you could probably help you out with that. <laughs> help you to realize it. When it comes to the things of the Lord, let me encourage you. When it's time to pray, don't try to do anything else. If you said, I'm just going to, now you can pray while you're going about your business, but if it's a time of prayer, if it's a time of being in the word, don't let other things be going on. Come on, are y'all with me? When it's time to come to church, you should leave it all out there. Come on, are you with me? And give the Lord your full attention. Because if you're not, you're going to be missing something, and you may not even know what you're missing. So how many things from the Lord do you need to keep track of on any given situation? In every situation, there is one thing the Lord's telling you to do. Come on, are y'all listening? There's one thing. And if you'll get that one thing and do that, everything else is going to fall in line. Everything else is going to connect with it. Everything else is going to flow. But if you think it's obvious you need to be doing something else, then you're not going to get the one thing and you're going to pull a Martha. If Martha shouldn't have done what she did, what should she have done? What should she have done? Don't assume, ask. In all your ways. If it's obvious, just go with it. In all your ways. That includes not assuming or presuming, but asking. All of this could have been prevented with one question. One question. Early on, before you break out the flour or you start the stove? Huh? Before you start any preparation, before you do, before you put your apron on. Come on, are y'all listening? What do you do? You come over to the Lord and you say, Lord, do you want us to prepare a meal for everybody? 
And he says, no, hon, sit down here with your sister. This is what we're going to do today. Now, what did you, you missed all that frustration. You missed all that anxiety. Come on. You missed all that sweat. And you're getting to hear the word. And to probably see a miracle. Had they seen other times when the Lord fed everybody with a little handful of food? I mean, it could have happened right here. Is that right? Who knows how? It could have happened. But the Lord has so many ways of doing things if we can be open without just assuming, yeah, we know, yeah, it's got to be done this way. Somebody say ask, 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 ask. Pride assumes presumes. Humility asks. And in every situation, there is one thing that God's saying to you about that situation that is the key thing, and that's what we need to find out. And how are we going to find it out? By acknowledging Him in that situation and asking Him, Lord, what is the thing that I need to be looking at and knowing and doing? Somebody say amen. Amen. Stand up with me, please. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Lift up your hands, please. Lift up your hands and your hearts and your voice. We're coming into a, a new place of being closer to the Lord, of being more aware of his spirit, being more aware of his leading. Come on, lift your voice. Pray in the Spirit some. And as you do, monitor your heart. Monitor your inside. Oh, Father. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.